0: Amen. Thank you, Lord. We do praise you, Jesus, for who you are. Father, we worship you this morning, God. We desire to love you. God, we know that that love must come from a heart that has been transformed, Lord. that you speak to the depths of our soul. God, through your word. So I pray this morning that our minds would be enlightened, Lord, that we would put effort into your word as we ponder it, as we are challenged by it, Lord. pray, God, that we would never give up in the pursuit of you as you are relentless in your pursuit for us. I praise you for this morning, God. I pray that you would be glorified. I pray that the Spirit of truth father would be the one to guide our thoughts we trust you for these things lord in jesus name amen please be seated thank you for coming how is everybody this morning awake some of you look more awake than others Happy New, Happy New Year. Beautiful New Year, huh? It's a great time of the year to look back, think about the things that happened this past year. Good things, bad things, right things you you learned, things you wished you didn't have to learn, right? Maybe a little suffering, maybe some discomfort there. But those are those are good things. The Bible tells us that all these things work together for good. And of course, the longer you walk with the Lord, I, I believe that the the more you see that scripture is true. I mean, it is true, but you know, there's a lot of things we look at the Bible and say, "Oh, that's true." But until you actually experience it, you know, it, it's 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 a taste of that truth, but then you you have to experience it to really grab a hold of it and and to accept it into your heart, and 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 that's when it begins to change you. And so you might be maybe looking back. It might be a good practice to write in a journal, you know, some of the things you learned, or, or if you journal at all, to look back and see some of the prayer requests you you offered up to God. Whether you know how he answered them, I shouldn't say whether he answered them or not. He always answers. But how did he answer those prayer requests? I found that when I do that I look back and I, I'm praying in a particular way and then God changes my whole perspective on what I should have been praying for and a lot of times of course I'm praying for the situation to change when God is saying I'm, I'm the one who needs to change rather than the the situation not that God can't change situations he can do that but many times it's myself that needs to change but today of course we're going to talk about and I want to encourage you specifically with what's coming, right? And, uh, and encourage you to get this scripture into, as Josue went over last week, your heart and soul, but today my emphasis is on the mind and the strength. So there is effort there, there is uh, this need this need to really process what is going on in the Scripture. It challenges us, but it also encourages, strengthens. So I thought about giving you reasons why, because my bent always is to, to lean towards the apologetic arguments, right? To give you the, the manuscript evidence why you can trust the reliability of the Scripture. Uh, I love those those types of things because th- those things strengthen my faith. If I look back at my walk and do I really trust God, do I really trust that this, this Bible that has been preserved, His Word, these books, are they really His Word? Can I really commit to that? And the apologetic angle is the one that I would uh, lean towards right away. Uh, there was another famous guy that... Um, struggled himself with the scripture he's an evangelist still alive today and God had called him to preach the word to to speak the truth to people to come to Christ but he was struggling to believe that this was actually God's word and uh, he came to the point where he went up to this mountain and and he said God he got on his knees he said I don't. I don't know all the reasons why I believe this is your word. I'm paraphrasing because it's not exactly what he said, but you get the gist. So he was saying, I need to submit to it, and I, and I don't know every single thing about this. But what I want to do today, God, is commit myself to that word, and no matter what happens when I preach the word, I believe it's true, and I'm gonna I'm gonna speak it as so though it's true. And he did after he came down, of course, he was preaching to, to great crowds, thousands came to know Christ. So again, uh, he committed that in just uh, you know his, his, that moment of, of time. And for me, of course, I was challenged in my faith, and, and I had to look at the manuscript evidence, you know, the reliability there the uh, Archaeological evidence, right? Historically, the Bible holds true in its historical facts and the, the predictive prophecy as you look at what the Bible predicts to the future and, and, of course, God 100% of the time is right. And then, of course, it all comes together as 40 different authors over 1,500 years give this same unified voice and message that we can trust the Bible is true. and that is useful but as i thought about it more I, i'd rather give you more confidence in its in the bible's ability and your ability to understand the bible right your ability to depend on it your need to depend on it and to be confident that god has really spoken through the, the holy scriptures through the the apostles the prophets And so there's three things I want to try to get across to you today, hoping that they will um, be understood and that they might help you to love the Lord your God more with this mind of yours, with the strength that you have, the effort that you can put forward to know this God. Three things. Number one is the clarity of Scripture. The Bible is clear. And I want to talk about that. Number two, the necessity of the scripture. There is a necessity to the scripture. You need this word more than you understand. And number three, the sufficiency of the scripture. I remember learning these things before, and and really this was a refresher for myself to give me again that 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 strength and encouragement that this word I can really trust and I can really know that these things are true And so let's talk about that for a minute let's talk about first the clarity of scripture here's a definition for you from one of my favorite uh, biblical scholars the clarity of scripture means that the Bible is written in such a way that its teachings are able to be understood by all who will read it seeking God's help and being willing to follow it you got that the clarity of scripture means that the Bible is written in such a way that its teachings are able to be understood It's able to be understood by all who will read it seeking God's help and being willing to follow it so first This is not to deny that some scriptures are difficult, right? If we can look first at uh, 1 Peter. I'm sorry, 2 Peter. Here's what Paul says in 2 Peter 5, excuse me, 3.14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these be diligent to be found by Him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks, in these, speaks of them in these matters. These are some things, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do, the other scriptures. So here, Paul—excuse uh, me—Peter is is speaking of Paul's writings and how some of those things are difficult to understand. And those who who desire to pervert the word, twist it and give it in a way that would deceive you. And so there are some things that are difficult to understand in the scripture. There's no doubt there, but there is much to be understood from the Scripture that is plain and clear to see if a person would just read it and just wrestle with it for a little while. Because the Bible asks us and really commands us to take responsibility for that, for the understanding of that Scripture. Deuteronomy, I want to flip over there real quick to Deuteronomy, a familiar... Passage to some of you. Deuteronomy six six says, And these words uh, that I command you today shall be on your heart, you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hands, and they shall be in the frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So there's a responsibility there. The, the Bible tells us that we can actually diligently study this. I remember uh, the preacher saying when I first came to know Christ and he read this scripture and, and I thought, well, how am I going to do that? How am I going to do that with my kids? I don't know how to do that. You know, as I walk by the way, I mean, it sounds like it's everywhere that I can talk about it, just walking along. Uh, being at the store, you know, ready for bed, you know, lunchtime, whatever it is. But how do I do that? Well the scripture says that I can do that. And I think it gives us some clues as how as how to do that in verses eight there as it says to bind them on our hands. And this 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 is speaking of uh, of course in that day um, back when this was given, some of the teachers took it literally, and so they would put scriptures on their hands, like tie little little uh, things to their hands, phylacteries, I think, or something like that. They called them. But they would tie scripture verses. You know, and this day, we'd probably, you know, maybe you'd get a tattoo. You know, and you'd stick it on your hand or something. Literally, you know, binding this to your hand, and and then frontlets on your eyes. You know, these teachers would take these things and they would tie them. To their head, and, and they'd have a little a little box here with some scripture verses inside of it, literally taking that and, and putting it, you know, on the front lid of their head. And then, of course, posting things on the on the house and the gate. But those are images, those those are not just things that should be taken literally in the sense of, of doing all that. What he's saying there is, is to get this word into the mind. Right And that what you do with your hands reflects what the word wants you to do, and that when people come to your home that it is a home that expresses the love of God and the reality of his truth as you get along with whatever you do there in your house, right taking care of the kids, you know the other day I had the grandkids over changing diapers and whatnot, you know and uh, and none of these tasks are, are too menial these are life things that we do, but but how am I caring for these kids? How How is the Scripture leading me and guiding me as I love them and want the best for them? You see? So God says you can take responsibility for this. You should take responsibility. Take this Word. Take it into your mind. And you, of course you can't do that unless you read it, unless you meditate on it. Get it in. Ask God, what is going on here? Here's another thing. When you're, you know, sometimes that's maybe it's a fear. Like when I I thought about that, I thought, you know, I don't want to read some scripture to my kids and they're going to ask me, "What does that mean, Dad?" And I'm like, I don't know. Um, So I'll lie about it, you know. I'll (laughs) I'll say something about it, but I don't want to do that. So I'm afraid. So okay, I won't read it. Then I won't have to deal with it, you know. But we should never be afraid. Right, never be afraid to be challenged in the Word. Right, because when you're challenged, that that is a chance for you to submit to God, lay your pride aside. Right, if my kids were to ask me, and I don't even remember if they ever did, but but if they were to ask me, hey, what does this mean? And if I didn't know, then I just have to be honest and say, I have no idea what that meant. I just read to you, son. But you know what I can do? Uh, I can study. And I'll get back with you on that, right? And in that that way I'm learning, and then I'm teaching them. And then I'm showing them that, hey, you're not supposed to know everything when you read this. You're supposed to be humble and and submitted to God and knowing and trusting that He is going to enlighten you. Because the Scripture assumes elsewhere that those who are easily led astray or have poor judgment can learn and, and, uh, as they seek God, the God who has spoken. Psalm 19, one of my favorite psalms. Psalm 19 Verse 7, the, the law of the Lord is perfect, revealing, excuse me, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. You see, the simpleness here isn't just this ignorance. No, it's it's this lack of, of, of good sound judgment. And, and those who are easily led astray, right? So it's talking about wisdom, that it can be gained. From the scripture. Another one there, Psalm 119, the, the largest psalm in the, within the Psalms one, 119, 130. The unfolding of your words gives light, it imparts understanding to the simple. Right? There's an image of light there. What does light do? It brings clarity. The light is the word itself to bring truth into your heart, to expel the darkness, and that those who are simple are able to gain wisdom. And, and, and remember, everyone really is simple, especially in comparison to God. Right? We all need the wisdom, the knowledge that God has for us to give to us, and so we need this understanding of that God will answer, God will speak, and that yes, it's okay to wrestle with the the word. I think the the older, of course, I get, the more I'm okay with that. You know, I'm okay with coming to the scripture and and I read something, I like, I don't know what that meant. I don't have any idea what God is talking about. And I'm alright with that because it, it challenges me to dig deeper, to read a little longer, to pray a little more, maybe to ask of some wise counsel from somebody who is, has been in the Scripture longer than I have. I mean, we stand on the shoulders of giants, people who have, have given their life to the Scripture, reading it, understanding it, trying to make it clear for us what is going on there. And so we can have that that confidence that the Scripture is clear. You can read it. You can gain from it what God has placed in it if you would submit to Him and put a little effort there. So let's move from the clarity of Scripture to the necessity of the Scripture. Another definition the necessity of Scripture means that the Bible is necessary for knowing the gospel for maintaining spiritual life, for knowing God's will, but is not necessary for knowing that God exists or for knowing something about God's character and moral laws. So three things that are necessary here and three other things that aren't quite as necessary. Number one of the necessity here is to know the gospel. You have to have this word to know the gospel. We were just in Romans, if you remember, for a little while. Romans chapter 10. Verse 13, For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on Him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to... Preach unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who come and preach good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what, has, what he has heard from you or from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. So Paul's speaking of the name there to be trusted in. And that specifically is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that we need somebody to speak this word, right? Not just the preacher up here, but you out as you walk along the way out in the world where you work, where you play, where you go to school. That those are the times to engage in in the word too. That it is true and it applies in every area, every aspect of your life. So number one, to know the Gospel. You've got to have the Word to know the Gospel. To know who Christ is. To know that He actually did come. To know that He is a fulfillment of the Scriptures that were written before Him. all those predictive prophecies, the majority are specifically about Jesus. Over 300. So to know the Gospel. Number two, for maintaining the spiritual life. Again, back to Deuteronomy 8.3. Deuteronomy 8.3, and he humbled humbled you, here's Moses speaking here, and he humbled you, speaking to the children of Israel, and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but... Man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. This is the the verse that Jesus quotes as the devil is tempting him to make bread out of these stones. And he says, no, man doesn't live by bread alone. So just as much as you need the physical food to sustain you, to help you, to nourish you, how much more do you need the spiritual food that God would give you? That if you began to deny yourself the nutrition, the bread, physical bread to sustain your body and other things that you would be hurting your health, right? You, you need this, that stuff. And just as much you need the spiritual, maybe I think as much more that you need to sp- feed the spirit inside of you. So you need the Scripture to maintain the spiritual life. If you were to call yourself a Christian, if you were saying, yes, I follow Christ, and you don't read the Word, well, you are starving yourself and are in danger there. So to know the Scripture, to maintain the spiritual life, for knowing God's will... Deuteronomy 29, 29, one of my favorite verses, right? Easy to remember. Deuteronomy 29, 29, 29. Chapter, there's 29 verses. The very last verse speaks of this mystery of God. Let me read that to you. The secret things belong to the Lord, our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of the law. So there is... Plenty to know that has been revealed. There are some secret things. There's some things that you're not going to know. Some things that are going to be hard to understand that you're going to have to wrestle with longer. Maybe some things that you'll never know. But some things are really, really plain to know. 1 Thessalonians 5 says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Well, I wonder what the will of God for me is. You know, I wonder if the Bible ever directly says what the will of God for me is. Well, absolutely it does. It says to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in every circumstance. That is the will of God for you. Again, it's not so much the, the situation you're in, the circumstance you're in. You've got to change this, God. No, you've got to change me. I've got to learn how to rejoice in whatever is going on in my life. To never stop praying and asking God that He would teach me and show me the way. You could flip back a page to um, that 1 Thessalonians 4. Where it says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Oh, but what about this job, God? And what about my school? And what about the no. What's most important is that you were to be purified inside, and God that would continue to make you more human, like the one who was most human, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. That is God's will for you. And these other details will get worked out as you Submit to the will of God. What is the will of God? That you abstain from sexual immorality. I mean, there's so many Christians that they, or at least those who profess to be, and, and they're running around outside of marriage having sex and thinking, why well, my life is so messy, I wonder why, you know? I wonder what the will of God is for me. Well, if you can't even get this right, when the when the Bible is speaking plainly to abstain from these things, to learn how to control yourself, that there are tons of desires. There's always a desire there. Not just sexual, but but for power, for money, for success, whatever it is. That that would draw you away from God and then unless you can submit to the Spirit, unless you can give that control over to God, you will not be in the will of God. See, so the things that are plain, apply those things and see that the Lord is good. Taste it and see That's what the Bible says. Taste, right? God tells Ezekiel, eat this word. Eat it. It's sweet. Even though sometimes it drops into your belly. Ah. Oh. Hurts a little bit, you know. Some of those things sting, you know. The word stings sometimes, but you got to want that. You know what I mean? Come on, Lord. Crush me. Crush me. You crush me because I know that when you do, that your grace will build me back up. All right. One man said, uh, How did he say it? God is the only one who can humble you, without putting you to shame, you know, without humiliating you, and he's the only one who can lift you up without flattering you, right, without telling you how wonderful you are, God doesn't have to tell us how wonderful we are, we're wonderful, in Christ. He's the one who makes us wonderful. He absolutely is. But there's three things here that the scripture is not necessary for. It's not necessary to know that God exists. We can go other places for that. The heavens declare the glory of God. I mean, look at the human cell. I mean, all kinds of things we could speak of there that are not in the Bible, but speak of a God who does exist, the design of the universe, the, the complexity of biological systems. I mean, we could go on and on with that. Knowing something about God's character is not necessary to have the Scripture for, right? We, we can know that. Romans tells us that. Paul reminds us that in that first chapter that we looked at when we were in Romans about how this eternal power and divine nature is clearly seen, everyone is accountable before God. It doesn't matter if you don't have a Bible. God says, look at the heavens. Look at the beauty of this world. Look at how I have made you so different than the animals, right? I mean, think about, again, the senses, touching, the tasting, the the smelling, all these things that a human... uh, can enjoy that no animal can enjoy not the way we can but the responsibility of that that God has given us to see that and say man this speaks of a God who is awesome amazing so you don't need it to know God exists you don't need it to know something about God's character And finally, you don't need it to know something about the moral laws, right? Romans chapter 2 spoke of that. That there's a conscience that God has placed in every man. I don't care where you are. If you're underneath a bush in the middle of Africa or wherever, God has placed in the mind of a human this conscience that He can respond to, that, that anthropologists have sought throughout the ages. Some people somewhere that don't have some kind of a written law, they can't find it. Every people group has things that are good and things that are bad that they spoke of. Why? Because God's put a conscience in us. You can't deny it. Chapter 2 of Romans speaks of that. That even the rules you make for yourself, you can't even keep those. So you don't need the Bible to tell you that. You need to respond to the conscience that God has given you. And God will give you light. The light of creation, the light of the conscience to to bring you to the light of Christ. Finally, not only can we know the scripture is clear, not only can we know that it is necessary but we can know that it is sufficient, sufficient. The sufficiency of Scripture means that Scripture contained all the words of God He intended His people to have at each stage of redemptive history, and that it now contains all the words of God we need for salvation, for trusting Him perfectly and obeying Him perfectly. Ooh, Those are strong words, right? Perfectly. take a look at that. Scripture contains all the words at each stage of redemptive history. Um, we, we were in the book of Habakkuk a while back, right? Remember the just shall live by faith. And this is a thread that runs throughout the Scripture. The characters in the Scripture, right? Noah, you see Joseph, you see Abraham. That by faith, they trusted and obeyed and sought God. By faith. Right? Paul reminded us of that again. Chapter 1, verse 17. The just shall live by faith. And so, there was enough there for Abraham. He didn't have the Bible in his hand. Right? God spoke to him. But there was enough there that he responded to by faith, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And so, He was looking ahead, uh, as uh, the book of Hebrews talks about, right to a city not built by human hands but built by God and that God would bring this Savior. He didn't understand how all these things would happen. He didn't know who Jesus was or if there was going to come this Messiah and on and on. But he had enough to put his faith in God and to trust him and he was held accountable for what he knew. Number two, the Scripture now contains all the words needed for salvation. Acts 4.12 And there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's all about Jesus. Jesus. That's what he's saying here. It's all about him. If you don't understand who this guy is, if you don't understand what he has done, if you don't understand that the, the Scriptures throughout have, have pointed forward to his coming, then you're lost. You're lost in this day and age. You've got abundance of Bibles and sizes and, and, and thickness and colors and, and everything else. But do you read it? Do you see that Jesus is the one who fulfills all things? That he is the one you need for salvation. He's the one who need, you need to strengthen you, to give you life. Finally, three, number three and four are trusting and obeying perfectly. Again, there's, there's a tough word there. To oh, I can obey God perfectly. That's a little strong statement there, preacher. Can I really do that? Am I doing that? Am I obeying God perfectly? Well, it may seem like an overstatement, but remember we're talking about the Scripture's sufficiency and its supply. What it can supply to you. It's enough. It gives you enough reason to trust. To trust Him. To trust God. And all we need to know to obey Him. But will I submit to the Spirit? Will I live my life and trust Christ with all the things that He tells me are good for me? and deny myself those things that he says are not so as much as I submit to the the perfection of the word to speak into my life that is as much as I will perfectly obey him And so it's possible to understand the scripture it's clear no one can say it's not clear enough I mean, yes, there is, there is uh, you know, a sense in which we, we have biblical scholars, we have those who devote their lives to the languages of, of, uh, of Hebrew, of Greek, of Aramaic, of these things that can help us learn a little more. But at the same time, that's why the Bible is, is translated into so many languages because God would want it to be in a language that you can understand, that you can apply to your own life. And there's enough clarity there for you to obey Him for you to trust Him. It's clear. But you need to know it's, it is necessary too. As much as you need the, the food you're going to eat today or you have eaten or that steak you might be thinking of eating later or, or that dessert, whatever it is you're thinking about, how much more do you need the bread of life, the spiritual sustenance in your body? God has spoken and it's necessary that you listen to Him, submit to Him. And also, finally, that that Scripture is sufficient. It's sufficient for you. God has placed everything you need to know in the Scripture. He's revealed all that. If you would only go there, submit to Him. The problem is we want to go our own way rather than God's way. But the Gospel is the good news that we can be set free from that. That Christ will give us the power to deny ourselves the desires that would displease God. His blood has cleansed and is offering forgiveness, not just for those who never trusted Christ, but for those who trust Him now. That I'm still growing in Christ. That I'm still learning. I'm still having to depend on God and His sufficiency to change me within. Believing, trusting that He will do it for my good. So let me encourage you with three things: pick up a Bible, right? Read it. If you've if you've been reading it for a while, hey, challenge yourself a little farther, right? This will be. I just finished the seventh time through the Scripture, and so I, I'm going to go at it again. And that and that's you know that's one of the practices. It's just reading through it. Another practice is to meditate on it. If you've never read the scripture, well, hey, start with a book. Maybe a small book. Maybe the, the, the gospel of Mark that we're going to be reading here very soon that that uh, Chris and I will be preaching through. Read that. Smallest gospel, 16 chapters there. Or, hey, that's too, whoa, that's too big, man. That's too much. Okay, well, start in 1 John, right? There's like three, five chapters there, you know. <laughs> start. Get on it. Pray as you read it, too. Don't be afraid to be challenged. Some of the scriptures that are hard and, and God says some things you're like, oh, you know why'd you say that? you know that sounds kind of harsh, God. Remember, it is the humble that God honors and imparts wisdom to, not the arrogant, not the boastful, not the proud. So pick it up, pray it through it and begin today don't don't wait get the scripture into you continue to allow it to renew your mind right that that longest distance is said from the from the head so how can I love the Lord my God with all my heart and soul mind and strength these two have to be connected to each other I can learn all kinds of things, but if it never affects my heart, it never changes who I am inside, what good is it? But it can do that if I submit to God Himself. If I desire change. If I trust God just for a little more, a little more. I can enjoy what He's doing in me. Maybe sometimes feel that pressure, feel that weight, feel you know the tension there in the Word of God at times when it's speaking to something that I'm doing that's just not right, whatever perspective that might be. And I know that I must change it. I know that I must submit to God. There have been times in my life where I just I just throw my hands up. I just got to say, God, I this is the way I am, and I can't change it. You have got to change me. And so, what does He do? Waves magic wand and boom, I'm changed. <laughs> no, I continue to read the Word. I continue to pray. And, and and as I look back and I say, Wow, He did something there that I just could not do myself. I couldn't do it. Ah, God says, that's the one that I can change. The one who's humble enough, who knows that anything that you receive is from the Lord. You don't have nothing to boast about. I don't care what you can do. If you're a good musician, if you're, if you're uh, much more intelligent than other people, or a great athlete, whatever you are, you've been given that. It's a gift. How could you ever think to boast about what you can do. God gives that to you as a gift. Rejoice in it. Share it. Submit it to God. Allow God to change you. Amen? Let me pray for you. God Almighty, I do praise You for who You are, God. I thank You for the Gospel that is the thing that can set us free. That this trust in the one and only Jesus who came and shed His blood for us, who came and gave His life for us, took upon Himself our sin, that we might trust in Him, that we might be given to us and receive from Him perfection from You so that we can live a life to please You, God. Not that we're trying to earn Your favor, but that we have gained it when we put our faith in Christ. God, I pray that all those who would hear my voice this morning would be encouraged at the clarity of Scripture, encouraged it at their necessity for it, and that You, God, had made it sufficient for us. Help us, Lord, to know that to love You is to engage the mind and never be afraid. To trust You, to seek You in Your Word.